from the Gospel of Matthew. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You shall keep on listening, but shall not understand. And you shall keep on looking, but shall not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found, scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today we are resuming our study in the book of Isaiah. We're going to read chapter 6 today, which deals with this interaction that Isaiah has where he is caught up into the throne room of the Lord. Now chapter 6 is only 13 verses, but that's all we're going to be dealing with today. And the reason for that is is because we have a lot of verses also out of the Gospels uh, that we will be making a connection with. And honestly, we could spend an hour making connections with other thoughts, verses, and things um, just in connection with Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, so there's a lot here um, in such a small package of verses. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 6. I'm just going to read the 13 verses. And I want you to open up your hearts and listen to the Word of God. And then we're going to go through it verse by verse and make our connections. And uh, I pray that you'll be blessed this morning. And as I have said every week so far, we might as well say it again. This certainly speaks to us in our generation today. As we will clearly see. Let's read this. And then we'll start to break things down. The book of Isaiah, chapter 6, his vision of the Lord and his commission from the Lord. So he has a vision of the Lord and a commission from the Lord. Let me read it. Open up your hearts. Isaiah, chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. 
Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go. Tell us, people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten as a tall tree and as an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof so there's chapter 13 so let's flesh this out shall we let's dig through and have a look at this a little closer and just try to make heads and tails of all of this so I'm going to read again, but we're going to stop, and we're going to do commentary often here. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. The twain he covered his face, and the twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly, and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord host. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the post of the door moved, and the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. So let's stop there. Um, interestingly enough, this is very similar to what the Apostle John sees when he uh, sees the throne room in the book of Revelation. So we have these, we have these uh, seraphim, they have six wings, and they're flying around, and they cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And of course, in uh, the Hebraic language, when we emphasize something we, you know, you, you would say it multiple times. For example, how many times have you read and Jesus would say, truly, 
truly I tell you. Right? When he's doing that, he's saying, he's saying, what I'm about to tell you, it's not just true, it's really true. Now, there's only two places in the scripture where we see something emphasized, at, at least as, as far as I can remember, where it's emphasized three times. Right here in the book of Isaiah, when they say God is holy, holy, holy. So the Lord isn't just holy, he's, and he's not just really holy, he's really, really holy. And this is very important. Because when we get to verse 5, we need to really understand the holiness of God. And then why Isaiah starts to panic. We'll get to that in a second. Let's go to the book of Revelation where we have a similar instance. So we're going to look at Revelation chapter 4, 11 verses here. Here's what it says. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. The first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and someone was sitting on the throne, and he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardis in, in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance, and around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting clothed in white garments, golden crowns on their heads. And out from the throne came flashes of lightnings and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of burning fire before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, in the center and around the throne. Four living creatures, full of eyes, in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion, and the second like a calf. The third creature had a face like a man... And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the thrones, to him who lives forever and ever. And twenty-four elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they will worship him who lives forever and ever. And they will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory, honor, power. For you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. So there's kind of a contrast vision and so I'm I'm betting that what Isaiah saw and what uh, John saw are very very similar they both saw these creatures that fly and have six wings and cry out holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty and very very interesting now let's get to this next verse let's look at Isaiah's response then said I, Woe is me. Now remember, last week, what did we have? We had six woes, right? These were curses being pronounced upon Israel. We get to chapter 6, and Isaiah pronounces a curse on himself. <laughs> Listen. And then I said, Woe is me, 
In other words, cursed am I, for I am undone. Why? Why does he think this? I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. You see, Isaiah had a similar problem to what we have today. We're surrounded by it. You can't help but get some of it on you. When you're surrounded by filth and you have to rub up against it all the time, it gets on you. This is what Isaiah understands. And Isaiah probably didn't realize who he was until he saw who God was. We don't fully understand the magnitude of our own filth, of our own sin, of how just unholy we are compared to the holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty until you find yourself in his presence. Isaiah finds himself in the presence of God and he's like, oh no, I'm in so much trouble, woes, I'm cursed. I live amongst a bunch of unclean people, and my own mouth is unclean. What hope is there for me now in the presence of a consuming fire that is God? Then interesting enough, the next two verses. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo! This has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. You see, God has always had the authority to just forgive sin, to just declare it forgiven. We see an example of this by Messiah. Let's go have a look at it, shall we? You might remember... When the paralegic is dropped through the ceiling. Pulling it up for you here now. So we'll go to the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at chapter 9. Eight verses. Getting into the boat, Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee and came to his home, to his own city. And they brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a stretcher. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man who was paralyzed, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. And Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or say, Get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. And he got up, and he went home, and the crowd saw this, and they were awestruck and glorified God who had given such authority to men. So yes, obviously, to forgive the sins of the world, 
Christ had to become our atonement, right? It's just interesting that we see examples like these two where God can just declare it. Declare your sins are forgiven. Very, very interesting. Let's continue on here. We still have a decent amount to get through. So now Isaiah has been cleansed. And here comes the Great Commission. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. Notice Isaiah's response. Here's the thing. When you, if you hear the voice of God and he says, I need somebody to do this, you run with full tilt towards whatever it is God is asking. You can't help it. You want to please the king. Let's look at an example. Again, from the Gospel of Matthew. Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, his brother, John in the boat, and their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. <laughs> when God calls you, you can't help but be compelled to run towards whatever it is that he may have for you. Very interesting. Let's continue on. Here's what Isaiah is told to go and say to the people. So he says, here I am, send me. What is it that you want me to do? And he says in verse 9, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see you indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat. And make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. Now, we have a couple things to touch on this. Number one, this is part of the judgment, is that you would now, because of your behavior, because of your hatred towards the things of God, you will now be blinded from the truth. It's kind of like in the New Testament, the covenant scriptures when the apostle says um, God has given them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are unseen like that is part of the judgment you've went on like this for so long now you've been given over to it the worst thing that God can ever say to humanity is have it your way that's what we're seeing in our culture today their eyes are shut, their ears are shut, their hearts are shut, they're incapable of seeing the truth. They're blinded now as part of the judgment. And if you are not blind, get on your face before God and praise Him for His mercy that you, 
who are undeserving, like Isaiah, have been touched. Here's where this gets even more interesting. And this is why I say that the book of God is living. And prophecy has a then and a now and maybe even a future. It can have multiple fulfillments as we see here. The context is that Isaiah is going to go to the nation of Israel and proclaim this to them because they're about to go into Babylonian captivity as part of their judgment. There's about to be a massive slaughter as part of their judgment. And they're being blinded and deafened and their hearts hardened as part of their judgment. But when we get to Jesus' day, we have the same thing and Jesus is quoting the very scripture. So let's have a look. We're going to look at two examples. Verses Matthew 13, 10 through 16. And the disciples came up to him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? Right? Like, what? Jesus, why are you speaking to them in riddles? Why don't you just tell them plainly? And there's a reason. That generation is coming under judgment. And Jesus answered them, to you, right? To, to you who God has shown undue, undeserved grace and mercy. To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. For whosoever has, to him more shall, shall be given, but he will have an abundance. But whosoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You shall keep on listening, but shall not understand. You shall keep on looking, but shall not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their, eye, with their ears they scarcely hear. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. So Jesus is saying, hey, that prophecy in Isaiah, while it was given to that generation hundreds of years ago, it's also for this generation and these Pharisees and these people. Interesting. Interesting, huh? Is it possible that it's also for our generation today? Three more verses in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah wants to know how long is he going to prophesy this over the people? Verse 11. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant. And the house is without a man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord hath removed men far away. There be a great forsaking in the midst of the land, but yet it shall be a tenth. In other words, he's saying, yet there'll be a small remnant that gets to come back, right? Like these people are going into captivity and slavery, but there'll be a small remnant that I'm going to show mercy to that'll come back. 
But it, but it, there shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and it shall be eaten, and the teal tree and the oak and whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves. So the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to continue to preserve my remnant because the seed of Messiah is still coming from this people. And that is how Isaiah chapter 6 ends. He sees this amazing vision. Then he gets this amazing commission. And then he prophesies over the people which would become a prophecy for future generations. I want to talk just a little more about this idea. That there is a remnant that gets kind of protected and provided for. Something that I've been praying for well over a decade, every single morning, is this prayer that Jesus tells us to pray. This, this, this little commandment that he gives when he's asked about the last days. And so just in case it's never registered in your heart, I want to read it to you to close today. So let's go to Luke 21, verses 29 through 36, dealing with the parable of the fig tree, the last days, that, so that sort of scenario. Here's what he says. And he spake to them in a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know with your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh and at hand. So please note, Jesus is using the fig tree as an example. He's saying, you can clearly see when the tree starts to, you know, get the leaves and all that, you know that summer's near, right? Like you'd have to be a fool to not be able to look at creation and see, you know, that summer is upon us. Same thing with the last days. It's obvious. Look around. Verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Take heed to yourselves. Listen, this is an important warning to all of us. Let's open up our hearts and absorb this truth. Take heed to yourself. In other words, pay attention. Be conscious about your own actions. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with the surfeiting and the drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day come upon you unawares. Remember, he tells the parable of the, of the servant who thinks the Lord has delayed in his coming and he goes back to drinking with the drunkards and he goes back to the cares of the world and then the Lord comes at a time he wasn't expecting him. Jesus is warning about this. Don't, look, you're going to know that the season is upon you just like you know that summer's near when you look at a tree that's blooming. Be careful. Don't get over. You know, don't be over concerned with the drunkenness and the cares of this life. Or, or it's going to, boom, it's going to happen and you weren't ready. Verse 35. 
For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell in the face of the whole earth. So here's how we know that this is not just talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, but also talking about the end of the end of all things. Because the snare, it doesn't just come on that region or Rome or Jerusalem. It comes on all the people. It, it comes on everyone who dwells on the face of the whole earth. No human being will go without being impacted. Here's the prayer, and here's how I want to end. Verse 36, he says, in light of all of this, right? Watch ye therefore. What does he mean when he says, watch ye therefore? In other words, in light of everything I just said, you need to be paying attention. Watch ye therefore, and pray always. So I need to be watching, and I need to be endlessly praying what is it that I should be praying all the time watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the son of man when I discovered this truth many 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 years ago before I even started this podcast that became part of my daily prayer every single morning. Lord, please remember me and my household. Please count us worthy to escape all the things coming upon the earth and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus told us to pray it all the time. He told us to be watching and always praying that we are worthy to escape. Escape what? That snare that's going to come on everyone who dwells on the face of the whole earth. God always preserves a remnant. And that's kind of how he ends with Isaiah by saying, look, all these terrible things are coming, but I'm, I'm going to take care of a tenth. I'm going to take care of a tenth. Well, there you have it. I pray you've been blessed and strengthened and encouraged by the word of God this morning. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying for me. And thank you for those of you who support the podcast through the PayPal and the, the mail. And then the Patreon subscribers. I couldn't do this without you. And I'm just, I'm very, very grateful for all of you. Peace and grace be with you all. And until next time, God bless.